This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone. It is Bryce and Ren here, co-founders of Equity Mates Media, and we're here to announce our IPO. That's right. Equity Mates' initial party offering is here. FinFest is coming. We're calling all bulls, bears, and party animals. The market's closed, the bar is open, and we're trading ideas at Australia's biggest investing festival. With expert speakers, special guests, DJs, and booze, it's an inspiring and empowering event for investors of any level of experience. So save the date, 15th of October, 2022. Head to equitymates.com slash FinFest to register your interest today. Equitymates FinFest is powered by Stake. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equitymates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the very first time? Is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before we dive into this episode, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So we strongly recommend that you scroll up and start from episode one. But of course, if you're feeling brave, do not let us stop you. Here at Get Started Investing, we unpack all the jargon and the confusing bits. We hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating, and we want to have a great time along the way. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by a guy who thinks the intro is so long, my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. I wasn't going to say anything about the intro. I feel like I said enough, but then you really (laughs) dragged out the ending. I know. <laughs> but look, I'm excited for this episode. We're joined by an old friend of yours, a new friend of mine, and a new uh, member of the Equity Mates team, uh, Simon. That's it. Simon Harvey, welcome. Thanks, gents. <laughs> Great to be here. That is quite a long intro. When, yeah. you're, sitting in, hey, when you're sitting in the room. Nice, Simon. You nice. can't come in and throw shade. <laughs> Simon has just joined the team as uh, head of product here at Equity Mates. And as is tradition, if you haven't seen uh, Simon on our social media, we do get all of our new staff members into the studio as well, Baptism of Fire, to uh, hear about their investing journey, where they're currently at, and to make sure that we've made the right hiring decision. So <laughs> we're going to unpack Simon's investing journey. He's a bit of a fire fanatic. And uh, yeah, just have a general chit chat. Yeah, I'm excited about that because Bryce has definitely built a reputation as what's the opposite of a fanatic? Don't know. A, a neg. He's <laughs> a, a firefighter. Hey, there we go. <laughs> firefighter. But Simon, uh, we like to start with a bit of a true or false game. So, true or false, your very first investment was your most successful? Absolutely false. But if I still hold it, it could be up there. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. So, um, 
yeah, back in the uni days, you know, glory days, take you back to those times. Don't, didn't have much money. Started doing a study on Ryanair, which is a low, oh, ultra yeah. low fares airline in the island UK, Europe. Started doing a study on it, a strategic analysis, liked what I saw. And then for, I've got a bit of money in my student loan coming through. Um, <laughs> this looks like a good bet. This share price is definitely going to go up. Um, so create, I uh, you know, I did one of the investment sins. I invested with money I couldn't afford. Um, took out a position in Ryanair. After a few months, I, the share price was pretty volatile and I just kind of realized I actually need this money to yeah. live. So I had to sell out of my position and have investments in selling your positions early to, to uh, fund your cost of living. So yeah, that wasn't a great start to my investment journey. But obviously subsequently it would have been yeah, so I was just a looking at the the price yesterday. I haven't looked at it for a while, so I reckon it was about three euros ish around that time. It's thirteen euros nice. now. Um, quite a few years ago, but yeah, four hundred percent plus. If I'd have held, which I guess is like, it's one of those lessons, right? If you just, it's it's like about holding your positions for the long term, not trying to speculate and make those short term. Well, games. a lot of lessons in there. Don't invest with <laughs> money that you need. <laughs> I think it's the first one. <laughs> And then don't sell your position if you've done the work just because the stock's going a bit Lulu and uh, don't dwell on the past. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with the CEO, Michael O'Leary? No. no. Okay. So he's a bit of a character. Um, like he's got some amazing quotes. Um, I've got a couple here if you want to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he comes up with things like, if you remember the days when we didn't have boarding passes on our phones, Yep. used to charge people 60 euros if you forgot your boarding pass. No way. Print, print it out. And he said his response to that was, we think they should pay 60 euros for being so stupid to forget to print it. <laughs> he says things like, if drink sales are falling off, we get the pilots to engineer a bit of turbulence. That usually spikes the sales. <laughs> and, and this one's probably my favorite one because this is like relevant to me he says mba students come out with my staff is my most important asset i say bullshit staff is your biggest cost we employ some lazy bastards who need to kick up the backside but no one no ceos can bring themselves to admit it so that's what i was investing in as well which i probably didn't appreciate at yeah, the time yeah, so yeah, okay. you imagine when you've got a guy like that what it does to the market when he's coming out of some of this stuff maybe he's the elon musk of the airline yeah, industry. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, next one, Simon, true or false? You had a strategy in place before you started investing. Nah, no strategy at all. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Definitely not. Well, we'll put a pin in, do you have a strategy now? Uh, but uh, next question, investing is as hard as you thought it would be. True or false? Um, I think practically it's super, super simple. And I think it's pretty easy now with index funds to like get diversified easily and understand it. Fit the bit I found hard actually is probably there's just so many good companies out there. It's mm. actually like funneling where I want to put my money. Mm. Um, but practically, yeah, it's super simple. It is a common lament of mine here at Equity Mates. How do I get more money to invest? Yeah, it's... <laughs> But it's crazy. <laughs> every every day. Anyway, to close out, Simon, true or false, investing is like gambling. Look, I think it can be if you want it to be. I think it comes down to timeframes again. Like if you're looking to make money quickly, there's definitely a lot more risk involved. There's speculating. But I think, yeah, if you spread your investments 
different stocks, assets, think of the long term. There's quite a lot of research out there now which says like the risk and reward is relatively predictable over the long term. So no, nah, it's not like gambling. Nice. Good. Pass the test. <laughs> <laughs> well, Simon, uh, you told us the story of your first investment, uh, Ryanair, but we'd love to hear the story of uh, how you got started investing more generally, um, you know, what resources helped you and all of that stuff. So take us back to, I guess, your uni days. Um, how did you get started investing? Yes, yeah, so I think after that, it kind of spooked me a bit, probably stepped away for a while, didn't have the cash either, really. Um I left uni, got my first proper job, and suddenly I had loads of cash coming in. Well, not loads of cash, but compared to- Must be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Compared to where I was before, the change was, you know, dramatic. You're living off nothing, so then actually getting a decent enough salary to keep you going. So, but like I had my philosophy the whole, completely the wrong way around there. It was like, I thought spend now, I'll earn more in the future when I'm older. So it'll be easier to save. Mm. So that was where my head was at. And I kind of did a thing, I guess, what a lot of people do. And I actually ended up having debt. I like credit cards, spending too much. I'd come off the back of quite a long relationship at the time. So I was kind of like going out, enjoying myself, spending a lot on clothes, holidays. Um, But then it came to a point, I was was actually doing a lot of uh, commutes at the time. So I got into the podcasts. And Tim Ferriss, I'm sure oh, yeah, you guys, yeah, yeah, Tim yeah. Ferriss. He had a guy on his podcast called Mr. Money Moustache. Oh, he's, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, he's quite direct, brash. He's a big cult figure in the fire movement. Mm, massive, yeah. Yeah. And he basically he came out and he's, I'm 30, I've retired. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I've got enough money now invested that I can actually fund my lifestyle. And I was like, hang on. Yeah. What's the, what? I've never heard anyone talk about this. It's always been, you work hard, 65 you retire, you have your pension, you crack on. So that was like a paradigm shift for me in my head. And then I started digging deeper and getting involved. He's got a really, um, he's got like a quite a good blog, which breaks it down. He's, his writing style is very um, easy to read. And I just started discovering financial independence and they, a big part of that, which we can get into is around index funds. Like, And I started understanding index funds. And then actually just started tracking my net worth, um, which was eye-opening and... Um, Shout out to the ladies at You're In Good Company because they had a really good episode this week about net worth with Alex from Broke Girl Wealth. Um, it's worth listening to if you want to find out more about net wealth. But I started tracking that and that was really where my journey began from that point. Nice. Bryce is a big proponent of the spreadsheet. Is is that how you track your net wealth? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, if you think Bryce lets spreadsheets, wait until you get to know me a bit more. Okay. <laughs> yeah. my, my best man did a joke about spreadsheets in his wedding, at my no, wedding. It's nice. So <laughs> I'm big on the spreadsheet. Well, game. completely unrelated to investing, but Bryce has also told me that you're the king of PowerPoint, uh, the oh. best slides in the game. So I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. Setting expectations. <laughs> I know, I know. Setting you up for failure. Sorry. Sorry, Simon. So you you started tracking your wealth um, using spreadsheets. Then how did that kind of translate into actual investment decisions and building a bit of an investing style? The fun, like we're getting to it, but the index funds was just where I started and just started getting regular payments into, I was using Vanguard in the UK, automated payments into like a broad FTSE 100 and then like a US index fund. And was just watching that kind no of Aussie one. No Aussie really? one at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you what, can What do you hate get... mining or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can even get exposure to the Aussie in the back. You couldn't at the time. You probably can now. That was a few years ago. Um, 
but yeah, to start getting into that, one of the things I'd recommend actually to anyone listening is speak, if you can, speak to like a finance manager at work and oh, like yeah. get, I found I did that and just like get your head around profit and loss and balance sheets. And like, if you can start understanding revenue cost, profit, balance sheets, like it goes a long way of like actually a lot of the jargon you see in financial reports and announcements, you can kind of start to understand. So I guess I went in like low risk index funds, but in the meantime, I was just increasing my knowledge of markets and businesses mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. how share prices change, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great resource and one that I haven't heard suggested before, but makes so much sense. Yeah. Because all of those outputs that we see in stock market announcements, like these finance managers are using as like inputs for their jobs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, Mr. Money Moustache's uh, podcast with Tim Ferriss, his blog, finance managers at work. Were there any other resources, books, podcasts, people to speak to that you found really helpful in uh, getting set up and started? Yeah, I think um, there's a book, there's a couple of books. One I reckon Bryce is going to absolutely hate. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, from, I'm loving this tension that we're building up in the episode between you two. <laughs> I just, I just know he's going to hate, but for me, it was about the philosophy and I can kind of justify it, but 19 written in 1926 okay sold over 2 million copies collection of parables set 4000 years ago is it richest man in babylon yes yeah, richest yeah, yeah, man yeah. in babylon have you read it but why does no, why is it yeah. yeah. ah, nah. it's just i think well i think it's just it's like basically written in like ancient biblical language ah, in their little yeah. stories but basically like the concepts are basically like pay yourself first like, don't. One of the things he has: don't trust a bricklayer to buy jewels. So don't get caught up in other people's excitement. Go and see experts. Yeah. Don't put your eggs in one basket. Diversify. Control lie expenses. <laughs> Even the richest man has to constraint on their life. Do what you enjoy, but don't overdo it. And increase your ability to earn. Um, so they're like his things, but it's very like. It's like a bit like, you know, flowery language, parables, yeah, yeah. ancient times. It's probably not like meaty and enough for you, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are, yeah, you, are, you, you just hate get, a rhetorical you, flourish. Yeah, you I hate, hate it. I hate, all that, I hate all that stuff. You've literally just given me the spark notes. That's all I need. <laughs> ne never going to read it. <laughs> In fact, I knew all those things. Exactly. Oh, wow. Mr. Smart Guy over here. <laughs> Why haven't you retired at 30 then? I have. I'm doing what I enjoy. I'm not working a day in my life. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, oh, nice. The other book I had, which probably is more in your wheelhouse, was A Random Walk Down Wall Street. If mm. you guys have read that one. I haven't read it, no. Yeah, I think there's like, it's. I think if you're like um, probably starting to go into maybe like, you know, you know the ropes and you want to learn a bit more about kind of um, how the markets work and um, capital, um, the CAPM model and that kind of stuff, like it kind of takes it to the next level, but it's pretty easy to digest and also some good stuff in there about depending on where you're on your life, um, suggestions on how you should split your portfolio across different asset classes and stuff. So um, that was really helpful when I read that. Nice. Nice. So you, you've you've put this philosophy in place or you have an idea of, um, I guess, money management and, and that sort of stuff. So what is your investment goal at the moment? You have passed 30. 
I have so, indeed. And you're not retired working for us? Not, I'm still going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it is, you know, I feel like I'm retired working here, Bryce. But that's yeah. it. Oh, nice. 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 Good answer, good answer. <laughs> but um, over many conversations with our time working together at Woolies and whatnot, you're certainly um, embodying that spirit of wanting to get to a point where you can yeah. put the feet up earlier than most other people, I guess, or wanting to have some sort of financial security. So what's the what's the goal? I kind of, for me, it's just about freedom and choice. It's where you're kind of not wedded to needing to work or earn a certain amount of money to live the life you want to live. So it's not about retirement. It's more about getting to a point where you've got the confidence, the freedom to spend your time doing stuff you want to do. Yeah, with that's kind of what I'm aiming to do. Um, the goal really would be to have enough assets where the revenue coming from those assets would cover your annual costs. And there's a few kind of metrics I use in the F, the FIRE community to try and work out what your kind of financial freedom number is, which we can explore. I'd love to hear, Bryce, though, if, we get, if we're getting to FIRE, like, what's your issues with it? What, what? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is the perfect cliffhanger to get an ad break in. Um, so we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Bryce is going to take a deep breath. And then on the other side of this ad break... We'll, I'm going to be mute from we, this point on. <laughs> we'll let Simon ask this question and we'll let the games begin. <laughs> Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, equity mates, before the break, uh, Simon left us with a cliffhanger. He was asking Bryce why he has issues with the fire movement. This is the perfect opportunity to get into fire because, as we've spoken about, Simon has sort of really focused a lot of his investing goals and strategy around um, the principles of fire. So, Bryce, I guess um, over to you. (laughs) What do you want me to say? <laughs> well, answer Simon's question. <laughs> what, what do I have? Why do I have an issue with fire? Are you anti-fire? Am I anti-financial independence? No. Am I anti-retire early? No. I love the outcome that fire tries to achieve. I think that um, for ninety-five percent of um, people doing it, great, and probably do, and like uh, I am doing it it myself in some form. I'm trying to get financial independence so that I can, exactly what you said, have some ability to feel like I've got more control over what I want to do and have choice and freedom. However, I think that there are elements of the FIRE movement that get caught up early in conversation around FIRE, which you sacrifice a lot early in life, I think, to to get there. If I can throw a quote that Bryce used to use, you don't use it so much now, but you would often say, I don't want to eat beans and rice in my 20s so I can retire at 40. Yeah, yeah. I, I th- and I think that's what I felt at that point in time when and when the fire conversation was happening. It, it A lot of the rhetoric was around, the, you know, a, a lot of the news articles that came out of, you know, a couple in their early 30s who are living in a caravan. Yeah, and, yeah, cutting expenses to the bone. Yeah, and yeah. like literally like or living in a forest 
<laughs> under a t- under a tent, <laughs> but it's also like not, not in the dude, tent. Simon lives in a forest today. What are you talking about? <laughs> but what I'm really interested in as well, which I don't think is captured in the fire conversation or in the calculators. I don't know. Is like life planning, and then coming back to the number when someone goes and say says, okay. I'm 20 and I'm currently, I reckon I can live off $40,000 a year. So I need a million bucks in the bank account or in a share portfolio and to live for, and all I need is a 4% return on that and I'm going to be sweet. Where do you factor in having a kid? Where do you factor in medical emergencies? Where do you factor in? And so those are the things that I think miss that conversation. Well, can we ask Simon that question? Yeah. Yeah. So like how do you... And, and I think a lot of it comes down to earning more as well over a period of time. So well, I think they're two really good <laughs> I think they're two really good points. Like just the first part, I think, yeah, with any philosophy or kind of like people take it to extremes. And that's probably the stuff which makes the news and gets out there because mm-hmm. it is extreme. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say I'm much more like in the moderate FI side of things. And for me, I guess it's just like a realization that I was spending money on stuff I didn't need. It wasn't adding value to my life where actually I could use that money, save it, invest it and buy freedom later on. So there's like extremes you can take it to. Right. And this, um, I, I love that you guys seen fight club. Yeah. yeah, the yeah Tyler yeah. Durden quote, you know, no. Which one? we buy things we don't need with money. We don't have to impress people. We don't like. <laughs> that is good. That and that is was good. like, yeah. Like I was doing the complete opposite at my start of my journey. And yeah. I kind of like, was like, yeah, I need to, that's where I moved towards. But anyway, like in terms of life events, it's, it's, it's true. Like it's absolutely true. And I'm thinking about starting a family at the moment and stuff. It's like, how do you factor that in? I mean, one thing I do is if I think I need 50K now, I'll build inflation forecasts into what that might that's look another like. That's another point. Yeah, Although, yeah. you know, what's inflation at the moment? Mm. That's, the, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a challenge. Um, but then you don't factor in things like, you know, not everyone will get it. And, you know, you don't want to happen things like inheritances or like, yeah, yeah. you know, other stuff which happens in life, which you might get. And once you hit that FI, it doesn't mean you're not going to have any income. Like you might still go and want to work part time or work on your passions and get 10,000 a year, 20,000 a year. So that's like, I think there's a lot of variables, but just as a kind of a, a goal and it's something you should review regularly and it needs to change um it's a good aspiration to have but yeah definitely in three years time my fa not fi number may change my like mm, mm. endpoint might change but i'm surprised there's not in an fi calculator one surely they they say put an inflation rate in but two it's like give us some life things like yeah. how many kids do you want to have schools. what country well dude i think if you're doing fire you're not factoring in forty thousand dollars a year to send your kids to cranbrook the, or something well i don't know are you do you factor good like question do you <laughs> let's get deep here in, do you fa- <laughs> i mean like it's not uh, and i'm not saying forty thousand no, no, i'm not saying forty thousand dollar private schools mind, mind you like that's freaking expensive yeah, but yeah, like yeah. honestly the only thing that's going faster than inflation at the moment is private, private school yeah <laughs> but just like all, all of that stuff like mortgage payments you'd be at the current house prices in capital cities you're paying off for the rest of your life in some instances yeah. so like all of that stuff is um yeah do you factor all of that into a fi number yeah i think well you can definitely can <clears throat> it's gonna make that number a lot bigger um i think for me it's more that actually when i hear that fi number I don't think it's going to go from a, you know, I'm working full time to zero. Yeah. There's yeah. like that transition. And I guess it's, I guess it's about like when you get to that FI, if you want to do something or even before you hit the FI, because you're on that journey, take a pay cut to do a different job, 
do something, follow your passions, go part time if you want to spend more time with your family. So for me, it's more like I'm not trying to get it perfect, the model to try and build in everything. I'm just trying to get to a place where that confidence is growing, that actually it's going to be all right. I'm getting near that independence yeah. number, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Simon, you should know that Bryce is only trying to inflate the number because he doesn't want you to leave us and <laughs> go and retire early. He wants you to stick around here. Yeah, push it up. <laughs> two, two quick questions. Um, is your wife on board? Oh, that's with a good it? question. And yeah. also, um, how many years till your FI at current track? Yeah, that's um, to do with. Yeah, my wife is working at Equimates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my wife's definitely on board, and I think it's good because we kind of balance each other out because, like, we still want to enjoy our lives, right? So it's not like, and you know, those questions you've asked just then, she's asked me before, and like, if she gets it, she's on board. Like she. The, the kind of general message that you just work all your life, you get to 65 and you enjoy it. Like she's not like into that. She wants to think differently as well. So she's definitely on board. In terms of how far, I think like for me, I've always said like, I'd like to get to like 40 and be like, well, you know, in that FI number. And currently, you know, you don't know what's around the corner, but currently like tracking well, probably like, I'd probably say like I'm seven, six, seven years in now. Nice. And there's some, there's some really cool stuff you can actually look online. Again, these are just numbers, but depending on how much percentage of your salary you're saving, the predicted number of years before you could get yeah. to FI, because the amount you save influences, it both reflects your spending rate yeah. and what you're saving, if that makes sense. So if your saving rate is 50%, that means you're spending 50% of your money. Yeah. So there's actually some calculators you can work out. If I'm only if I'm saving twenty percent, how many years will I have to yeah. save for if I'm starting from zero now? Yeah. Um, so some cool resources out there, and yeah, I'd probably just say like if people want to find out more, Mister Money Mustache is probably the best place to start. Yeah. Mm. He took the, it pretty extreme at the start as well, from memory. He was right. Yeah. Bikes he, everywhere, didn't own a car. Yeah, he's like on the extreme end. in a log cabin. Mm. I think that's kind of good though, because it kind of show you sometimes need that extreme mm. to like get yourself out of you know, your traditional way of thinking. It doesn't mean you're going to be like him, but he shows you where you can take yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, um, and I think, you know, the, the takeaway that I've definitely taken from doing this for four years, speaking to a number of people who love fire, Aussie firebug is, is a big one um, in Australia is that we agree with so many of the principles. Like oh, when, yeah, when yeah, we yeah. talk about why we invest and then when Simon talks about why he invests, it's, basically the same thing we want flexibility we want choice we want to be able to take a low-paying job we want to be able to drop out of the workforce and come back all of that stuff it's just like the end point is different like the end point is not to leave the workforce permanently and sit on a beach we want to keep working that's yeah. not a plan yeah yeah, yeah. it's fun for a few weeks a few months maybe you get away every year but that's not a exactly plan, yeah. i would get i'm a workaholic i'd get so bored yeah 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 so, Simon, you're obviously from the UK, uh, if people hadn't picked that up from your accent. And we've spoken to a couple of UK experts uh, over the journey. And th- our biggest reflection is that in the UK, fire is, I guess, much more embraced than, than in Australia. Um, it, it's a lot more, I guess, mainstream in financial press and you know financial podcasts and stuff like that. Have you noticed a difference coming to Australia in how fire is spoken about and how it's thought about? Yeah, I don't. It's, so I've been over here, uh, it's my fifth year. So it's been a few years. So I um, haven't been too close to it recently. But 
Yeah, I don't know if I've noticed. Um, I, was, I was thinking about this, like the differences between it and, you know, are people more into it in the UK and why that might be. Um, I think like there's one thing, there's a few things probably is like in 2008, the GFC, like we got hit in the UK yeah, by a bad yeah. recession. And I think a lot of people like living frugally or realizing you can't kind of, you know, guarantee what's around the corner did probably influence the mentality on how people spend their money. Um, so I think that's probably one thing. And also, like, there's no mandated super in the UK like there is here. Like, the, you, you, I think you automatically go in around 5% of your salary, but you can actually opt out. Right, and, okay. Um, and that's only come in the last few years. So before that, you could just, now I'm not putting anything in a pension. Although you do get, everyone gets a state pension in the UK, although it's very small. And you have to be like 68, I think, now as a man. So you can't rely too much on that. But I think people are starting to wake up to like, oh shit, if I don't do something, like I'm going to be trou in trouble later on. Mm. And then probably people are realizing, oh, actually, if I do more now, it doesn't have to be 65. It can be earlier on. Yeah. Um, so I think those things to play. And I think just probably lastly, just generally, like generally on average, um, salaries are higher in Australia than the UK. So I think people probably don't it's that mentality again around like you know i've got more money i'm gonna have more money coming do mm. i really need to invest my money now i'm not gonna say we should cut people's salaries <laughs> uh, but i think more australians should take on that uk that uk attitude yeah yeah who was the guy we spoke to on the show uh andy hart and then um Pete Matthews. Pete Matthew, yeah. yeah. He was right into it as well. Do you yeah. know him? No, I don't. Massive um, finance guy over there. He, he, Both of them are, yeah. Yeah, Pete Matthew does meaningful money. So two things, check out those episodes on Equity Mates Investing Podcast. But um, And read our book because both of them feature in the fire section of our book. True, yeah. true. Let's close out the episode with just some, I mean, broad-based questions for us if you have any. We often, often like chatting in the office about... Uh, stocks and investing, but it's great to try and capture it on audio as well if we can. So do you have any questions? <laughs> I do have some questions. <laughs> Good. <laughs> how, how much time have we got for questions? Just five minutes. So two, two or three? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two right. or three, yeah. Well, I've obviously read your guys' book. I know where you sit roughly on property, but um, I just like... What's your thoughts at the moment? I saw the other day the average loan size in New South Wales is like nine times average annual earnings, which is just insane. I think it showed, I think there's like, if it was on a global scale, Switzerland or something's the only country ahead. Wow. Um, there's this perfect storm of inflation yeah. that we all know about. It's surely interest rates are going to go up. Like, what do, you, what do you see happening in the property market? Do you have a view on how things are going to play out over the next 6, 12, 24 months? Look, I'm not going to pretend I know exactly what's going on in the property market, but I could deduce some sort of outcome, I guess. My feeling would be that a lot of people have taken out a lot of debt to buy in an incredibly expensive market. Mind you, I want to caveat this by saying I have nothing against property. I want a property. I'm sure Alec is yeah, the same. Yeah. Like we want to get in the property market, um, but it's incredibly difficult, particularly if you are going out at solo. But if you've taken out mortgage with uh, rates at less than 2%, amazing, you know, credit's cheap. Um, but let's assume that over the next 
number of years, three years, inflation does continue and the RBA has to increase interest rates. We're already seeing that rates between banks is rising. Yep. So um, that is then going to have a flow and effect to the rate at which we can borrow. But it's also going to have effect on people who have taken out debt. Their variable rates are likely to rise. How that impacts their ability to pay off their debt, um, I'm not so sure. But you, you could sense that it might get to a point in a few years where people might find it more difficult to pay off their rent, uh, their, their mortgages, or it just becomes incredibly expensive to borrow money and so less people are likely to be getting um, mortgages because the one of the reasons that it's become so hot is because money's so cheap at the moment. I don't think there's going to be a massive housing crisis or anything like that. I'm not saying there's going to be defaults, but I feel like that if you've taken out a loan nine times your income, firstly, that's insane. You might not have a lot of wiggle room. And when rates go from 2% to 4 or 5%, that might really hurt your pocket. And then macroeconomics, the flow and effect of that to the broader economy, less spending, less demand, we might then start seeing a slowdown. That's my thoughts anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, I have thoughts as well. I think um, the first thing is we are not anti-property. Like as Bryce said, we would love to own a place. The only thing, the reason we don't make a lot of content about it is one, it's not an experience that we have and two, heaps of other people make content about it. So yeah, I think the right investment strategy is to diversify and diversify across within an asset class, like in the stock market, uh, across different assets, but then also, sorry, diversify across different assets. That being said, so I we've spoken to a couple of mortgage brokers over the journey on mic or maybe not on mic, but definitely off mic. Um, one thing I was, I was speaking to one recently and he was saying that in Sydney, a bunch of people that bought in 2016, there was like a big apartment boom in 2016, are actually underwater, even though the property market's been so hot and interest rates have been so low for the past six years. So I think, you know, as much as we all talk about on average, the housing market just grinds upward and every political incentive is for the government to keep pushing it upwards and all of that, it still matters what asset you buy. For me, it's about getting the right asset. And for me, I just don't have the money to get the right asset at this time. So uh, I would love to get property. But in terms of what is going to happen, um, I think interest rates are going to rise. I think it's going to hurt people that have mortgages. I don't know if it will necessarily lead to lower house prices. Mm. All right. I also had a question about thematic ETFs. So many out there now. So many. Yeah. So many. Um, there's there's a few like I really like. I think they're great. Um, like, is there any where you feel like they're still quite early on certain themes in the economy, what you, you're looking in or you're interested in at the moment? It feels like you can get overwhelmed with thematic ETFs and then you just get overwhelmed with all the companies that are out there to individually buy as well. But one thing that I like about the thematic ETFs is that if you are overwhelmed by, oh my God, I need to buy all these amazing companies out there that you can wrap a lot of them up into ETFs. So, um, you know, when the, I think recently we had one that came out with the EV electric vehicles, um, we've had semi come out, we've had hydrogen come out, all thematics that we've loved speaking about on the show. And I'm sort of really into, I, I think for me, the idea about being early is something that I've thought a lot about recently because I, when I started investing, it was like, you know, what's next? Like, what is the new thing that I can get in on the ground floor of and then ride it? 
Like that's an intuitive way to think about the market. One thing that I've really reflected on recently and um, I'm really trying to internalize on my investing is these things run like trends don't happen overnight and you know these are like these mega trends that we're talking about are multi-decade things and the idea of if I've missed the start I'm too late is is probably the wrong way to think about it the better way to think about it is is my analysis about this trend actually right and like a couple of examples to illustrate that some of the trends that we've lived through in our lifetime we could have invested in 10 years ago 20 years ago or you know, five years ago and done really well. China, I remember when I was in high school, my economics teacher was telling me about the rise of China and all through the last 15 years, like that's been an investable trend that's only been going in one direction. The idea of cutting the cord and, you know, moving from old school media of print journalism of, uh, you know, over the top t- or of TV and radio and towards streaming and digital has been a mega trend of our lifetime. And there were so many, like you could have invested in that 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Like you weren't too late if you missed the f- first 10 years of that move. And so for me, that's something that I'm really trying to internalize that like you, it doesn't matter what's next. It matters what's big. And on the other side, there are trends which people felt like they were early on, which they were just wrong about. The one that really comes to mind is marijuana. Perhaps they're not wrong long term, but there was so much hype about marijuana. Like there's going to be a wave of legalization. There's, this is going to be a mega trend. These companies are going to be the next Coca-Colas or, you know, Kieran's or Asahi's, you know, like that's that's what these guys are going to be. And the first part of the analysis was right. We have seen a sweeping wave of legalization across, you know, North America and slowly going out to the rest of the world. But the second part of that analysis was wrong. The Tilray's and all of those marijuana companies that were so celebrated haven't been great stock market performers. So that trend was one that it didn't matter how early. Well, a lot of people made a lot of money, but like it didn't play out in the way that people have expected. And so that was, or it's that the unit economics of those, of that industry doesn't lend itself to these giant mega corporations and great stock market returns but we'll see but for me it's like the idea of being early on a trend is something that I've really thought about a lot and now I'm trying not to think about as much and it's more like how big is this trend and where are we on that journey yeah that's a great way to frame it I think I've still been in that mindset of I need to be early like have I now people are talking about this have I missed the boat exactly right it's like is this trend staying long term yeah so it doesn't matter if you know, we might only be, we're not having a 15, 20 years for this to run. So it doesn't matter if you missed the first two or three years, but if there's only, you know, if this is actually a, a hype, yeah, you know, and it's yeah. going to fade out, then you need to look into that. So yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. Thanks, Simon. So uh, Simon, great to have you on. Thank you so much. And welcome to the team. One thing that we would often discuss when we were working together at Woolies though, was the difference between UK and Australian investing. And I think there are some interesting um, differences that I would like to see here in Australia in some instances. So to close out, what are some of the differences between UK and Australia when it comes to investing? Yeah, there's probably, there's two things. There's there's a beautiful product in the UK, which I really miss. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's called an ISA. Oh, yeah. Stands for Individual Savings Account. In, in essence, it's just a tax wrapper. So mm. you could go to your bank equivalent, you know, a Comsec, a Combank equivalent in the UK or a Vanguard or whoever's you, you can buy shares for, and they'll offer you a stocks and shares ISA. And it allows you to put up to 20,000 pounds 
So 35,000 Aussie every year. Wow. And you'll never pay tax on any gains on that money. Yeah. So awesome. for the everyday really? investor, it's super, you know, yeah. encouraging and there's benefits there. So that is one thing like I really miss here. Does everyone in the UK take advantage of this? Like, is it just a like? Yeah. I mean, you, a lot of people use it, used to use it when interest rates are good for cash savings because mm. you could use it for cash savings as well. More recently, though, when people get into stocks and shares, yeah, everyone, yeah. everyone will. You'd be, you'd be crazy not to. Crazy, yeah. If you're a UK listener and you're not really advised to go out and look into ISAs, um, you won't regret it, I don't think. Well, I mean, we can't give advice in Australia. I don't know what the UK regulations are, but... I have no idea. Yeah, have a look at it. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing is something which the government allow companies to do. So if your company's listed on a stock exchange, there's actually um, schemes, it's called the share save scheme. And I think this is how a lot of people get into shares for the first time. Like my, my dad, for example, did one at his work. Um, and basically what it is, is they'll give you, you can, you can save up to £500 a month under the scheme um, and they'll give you an option price. So, and it'd be three or five years. So let's say on July the 1st, okay, the BP share price is £5 at the moment. We're going to give you 20% off at £4. And you can pay for you can buy these shares at four pound for the next three or five years, depending on what you sign up to. Um, up to five hundred pounds a month, and then at the end of the three or five years, you can exercise that option. So if the share price hasn't moved, you're going to gain twenty percent. But obviously, if you feel like the company's gone up, um, or you can have your cash back, you don't have to exercise your option. So I think a lot of people that's their entry point, but that does that comes with like pros and cons right because you're exposed a lot of people are just heavily exposed to one company yeah, yeah, where yeah, they yeah. work yeah. if that goes well they might get overconfident and think oh I'm going to go buy this other share true, now and that's going to do well or if it does terrible they might get burnt and think investing's not a good thing so there's <laughs> like but I think a lot of people that is like their entry into stocks in the, in the UK from my experience awesome two great initiatives I guess that would be uh I like the, what was it, ISA? ISA, yeah, yeah. that'd be awesome. Do we create a lobbying arm here at Equity Mates and, and put make, like, let's adopt these in Australia? Sure. I don't know how you start a lobby group. <laughs> we, I, I do, you just get a group and stand in a lobby. So, well, on that, <laughs> anyway, great on that note comedic end. note, I don't think we're going to top that in this episode, <laughs> so that might be where we end it. Uh, Simon, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, a, pleasure. a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And um, Ren will pick it up next week. Sounds good. Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Bates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 